five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, fighting for mail and direct marketing every day. And let's get over to the news. Okay, how McDonald's fooled a nation with three fries and drove app downloads. Whatever the, not sure about the value of that, but anyway, we're, um, let's see if I got my WDMA thing. I think it's this one. Nope, that's the wrong one. We gotta hit this one. There we go. We're back moving on that. Get rid of the scroll. And everything's back to normal. Okay, so uh, McDonald's wanted to have some fun, April Fools, get some public relations, but they really wanted to test measurable advertising. They wanted to test a response device to see how many people would respond to their public relations as it happens. And they know that, like in our family, somebody likes to snitch a couple of french fries. Do you want french fries? No, no, I don't want any french fries. Okay, I'll just order some for myself. And then they come. And we all know. Would you like a couple of fries? Yeah, I really would like a couple of fries. So McDonald's created this three fry pack that was free if you had the app with your order of a regular large fries, except it wasn't. It was an April Fool's joke, McDonald's three fries. And I couldn't find another picture of it anywhere on the Internet. So uh, for all the splash they say it made, uh, they wanted to increase engagement, conversation across all, uh, all its primary social channels and generate deal reclamation or whatever. Redemption, I think, is probably the better word. Um... So you all have this mate, that's me actually, I'm the one who doesn't want to order fries and then we'll steal a few. Um, and they, they also offered a deal, but this was for April Fools. It was only available until midday on April 1st, and it really wasn't even available then, um, via the My McDonald's app. But for doing that, you got 50% you got off your medium fries all day. April Fools. And it was one of the number one biggest organic impressions uh, for Facebook in 2021. Okay, the highest organic reach. They didn't do any paid advertising. Uh, I couldn't find it. So, you know, I guess it disappeared. And the average rate of engagement, which maybe looked at it, but maybe it's redeemed it. That would be crazy. Uh, the highest the brand has ever seen. So it was a good joke. They ought to do it again. And it won one of the drum awards for marketing for 2022. So there you go. And it shows you that having a little fun can work. Okay. Now here's an article from Craig Huey. Which headline increased response by 61%? And I always like to see test. You know, I enjoy the test results stuff. Right. I enjoy it because it it tests all of us. Right. To see if we can guess what's going on. And so the two headlines are. If you're sick and do not use phytonutrient medicine, your life will be cut short by 10 years. OK, so that's kind of a threat. And it's fairly open ended up here, but it does mention this phytonutrient medicine. OK. 
cover B, this is from Magalog, you can be personally helped, even cured from the ravages of heart and blood vessel disease. Okay, so which one do you think got the better response? Turns out cover A got it. Craig, excuse me, I think I got a piece of mustache in there. Craig said it got a 61% higher response because it used a specific number, 10 years. It also used a specific word, phytonutrient. Might not know what that is, right? It's also very broad in the sense that if you're sick, so there's a lot of people who are sick who don't have heart and blood vessel disease, I think. So it gave a broader appeal, more specificity, and a threat. <laughs> Whereas this one offers a benefit. You can be personally helped, even cured, from the ravages of heart. But it gives it, it offers a possible benefit. Whereas this one, your life will be cut short by 10 years, a threat. And oftentimes, people are more motivated by the fear of a threat than they are by the possible benefit. Um, I remember working with the Billy Graham Association uh, annuities division, and they would put ads in every month in the Billy Graham newsletter magazine. And they, their number one headline was, the state will write your will. And they had a picture of a Capitol building or something. And that was a threat. And people thought, I don't want the state to, you know, so they need to write for information. So anyway, it just shows you that I, I, I kind of like B, to be honest, but A did it. And then, of course, you test and you say, well, if Craig is right, let's try taking out the 10 years. Let's say your life will be, if you do not use phytonutrient medicine, your life will be cut short and end it there. See how it does. If it doesn't do as well, then you know that he's right about the 10 years. But, you know, I'm not sure if the 10 years matters or not. Anyway, now I've, this is a really interesting article by Secret Marketer, okay, at Marketing Week. And Secret Marketer, it says, I think this is the same person, but at the very bottom of the article, it talks about Anonymous Marketer. And I think somebody just couldn't decide what to call this person. Uh, but it says that they had a lot of experience working in big brand companies and stuff like that. So this was interesting. I hadn't thought about it this way for a while. But we just talked about Ritson, I think, yesterday, about why marketers feel insecure and, and feel like they're imposters. Um, so why is it that everyone in business today thinks they're better qualified to do marketing? And, you know, we always joked about, you know, everybody thinks they're a copywriter. But it really is the case that everyone thinks, you know, how hard can this be? Well, the answer is, from the testing corner, it can be pretty tricky. And what wins and what doesn't win often is mysteriously similar, right? And I've often raised response 20% with just a change of a word or two. So, and it helps to have that practice. It helps to have the gun to your head. Anybody can pontificate about what might work and what might not work. And especially if you don't test rigorously. And especially if, as the point of this article, that you don't, especially if you don't, 
figure out the lifetime value, the long-term implications of what you're saying and how it applies to your best customers, not just anybody. Okay, and that's one of the problems with so much internet testing. It's a convenient sample, really, and it doesn't necessarily, it isn't necessarily a statistically valid sample of your audience. Um, but anyway, um, so everybody thinks they can make better ads, urges to do more digital and social, to price differently, or to open up new channels. It even goes so far as to suggest, you know, and, and you know, for, for literally decades, I've been fighting with, you know, the, the, the board of directors or the venture company that owns us or whatever says, why aren't you doing more digital? Especially if I'm working with a company that does mail. You know, you can acquire customers so much less expensively with digital. Yeah, and they're worth less too, <laughs> right? It even goes so far as suggesting our brand needs different colors and typefaces. That's another thing Ritson was complaining about, the rainbow washing. So we can look like Apple or Google. I wonder if the CFO, this is a great question. I wonder if the CFO would appreciate it if I suggested a different and completely ill-informed way of balancing the books. Right. No, you don't get to touch that. No, you don't get to say anything about the accounting, even though oftentimes the accounting is hilariously ridiculous, especially when you think about the value of a list, valuation of the company and not valuing the, the biggest asset if you're a direct mail company. Oftentimes, that's the case. I've done some company valuation. So, quote from Macbeth, fair is foul and foul is fair. And once only princes and royalty could just chime in with, Ill, with ignorant advice. But now, everybody can do it. It's, it's, the, it's the soup of the day. Uh, have we made something once expert and specialized, mundane and universal through in-housing? I like that. Building big teams in the name of content, data, and digital? Well, a lot of it's because, you know, you've done digital, and when it accidentally stops, like happened to Uber, and nothing happens, no dip in business, you start to realize that what you're doing doesn't even work and doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's partly marketing's fault, right? It may be their insecurity, but it's also because they don't have the courage to test. They don't have the courage to set it up valid. You know, when we were out at Cabela's, and we made him millions of dollars. The, the CFO said, well, that isn't a valid test. And he was right. And he knew what he was talking about. How many CFOs know about valid testing? How many expect their marketers to do it? Almost none. How many marketers know about it? Almost none. Perhaps marketers have lost their courage. Yeah. The truth is they don't want to test. They don't want to know the reality. You know, how many fries got, got sold in that last in that last article? They didn't say that. All they said was it spread around a lot on Facebook. And, you know, since they could have paid for that and then they didn't have to, you know, it's probably worth something. But how many fries were sold? That's the question. It's tough to know, right? So courage to constantly challenge their own organizations and themselves to move beyond what the data says. Well, that may or may not be the case. Probably... If you want to hold yourself accountable, you might want to get the, the hardest, be the hardest on yourself with the data, not just to look beyond it. Sometimes it makes sense. For example, we had a Swiss Army knife, the little pocket kind in the catalog, and you could put your own impression on it. And so we showed all the logos on it, and, and, and you could only do one side with your logo. And if you did that, you couldn't put the Swiss Army logo on it. 
So in addition to that, we did a big Swiss Army knife, which was clearly recognizable as genuine Victorinox. And we said genuine Victorinox, really big, but we put the big one with all the blades out like that. And we didn't sell, I think we only sold like $5,000 worth of the big one, but we sold, instead of 15,000 of the little one, we sold 85,000 of the little one because it communicated. So normally we were looking at how much space you know, how many square inches of space or how, what percentage of page and what percentage of sales. But I said, people aren't getting that this is the genuine one. And there was a lot of Chinese alternatives coming in that weren't very well made. And so that going against the data in that case paid off very, very well. Okay, it was one of our better pages. Okay, that which hath made them drunk hath made me bold. But always hold yourself accountable. Boldest move I made in my career, this is the secret marketer again, was turning our legacy approach on its head and unlocking millions in extra value all via new customer segmentation. You know, well, one of the things we did with Cabela's, and we were new to customer segmentation, but you know, we, we knew that customers were complaining. The number one complaint was, why do you send me all these fishing catalogs or why do you send me all these hunting catalogs? And they were using recency as their number one segmentation tool. So the newest customers got mailed 12 times in 12 months. And after that, you didn't get mailed. You got a postcard saying, if you'd like to get mailed again, send this back. Okay, which is a way to do it. But what we did instead was we said, hey, who are we? Who does? Re, who are the recent buyers in November when we're pulling the fishing names? And it was hunters, and vice versa. And only, and there was only about five percent overlap between the, of people who bought both hunting and fishing. I think partly because, like me, I knew how to buy, I knew how to buy inexpensive fishing gear at Walmart. But hunting was new to me, so I decided to get the good stuff, and much to my wife's chagrin. And so I bought one category from Cabela's and the other I could get locally. Okay. And our best customers were like, like in downtown Manhattan buying hunting stuff because there was no place to get it. Uh, and they would go on safari, I guess. So anyway, this guy, the secret marketer says, or girl, says we need a customer value segmentation. And so... They looked at the customers which were most valuable, presumably over several years, right? And they found that there was, first of all, they didn't like that because each product grouping said, uh, said these are our customers. They bought this product. Well, some of them were, were crossover, okay? Each division would talk about my customers as opposed to our customers. And we showed that there were 20% of the customers that were driving 60% of the value in the business. Not uncommon at all, right? And uh, most of them were not talked to by the salespeople or sold to proactively. So we started selling more, more proactively to these customers, okay? And um, it took about 18 months, and there's the value. We did a CRM program to reach the non-account managed base. Always a great idea. Took 18 months of challenge and complex technical development to deliver. Right. It's like what we did with Cabela's. We showed Dick that if somebody bought a couple of hundred dollar muzzle loader, they might go dormant for a while till the divorce is final. And uh, then they were open to buying again. The four-year-old muzzle buyer who hadn't bought since was better than the 
than the most recent customers in the right season also. Okay, so this is the anonymous. Our anonymous marketer has spent years working for big brands and large organizations. So if you're having trouble having credibility and you think everybody else thinks that they know what to do, make some side bets. I've always done this with clients. Say, I think this is going to work and this is why and this is how we're going to test it. And oftentimes you'll win if you're any good. If you're not good, you'll learn a lot and you're your CFO or your CMO or your CEO will get a kick out of it. But, you know, make it a win and lose. Make it, make it, make it an ability to lose, and then you will win. Have that courage. I'm John Miglosh. Like and share, especially share and especially comment. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.